You're listening to Tapestry, a podcast by a music lover for music lovers. I'm your host, Kelly. Join me as I learn more about the common thread that weaves throughout our lives, music. Welcome to episode three of Tapestry. On this episode, I talk with the members of Deeply Woven about forging a path in the instrumental progressive music scene, playing on stage with bands from a variety of genres, and a little bit about Franklin the Turtle. You're listening to Witheria off the new Deeply Woven EP, set to release on September 21st. Thank you guys for your patience. Thank you for figuring this out. To my listeners, uh, after a little frustrating tech support sort of struggle, I finally have remotely in front of me, I have three of four members of Deeply Woven. I have George Torres, who's a guitar player. I also have Sean Hadid, who's their other guitarist, and Sean Wallace. Thank you guys for being on Tapestry. I appreciate it. And uh, I want to kind of turn everything over to you guys because I know you have been working on a new EP that I've gotten to listen to and it's fantastic. But um, why don't you just tell us a little bit about that and sort of what you guys do as a band? Um, well, yeah, so we're coming out with a EP. It's our very first EP. Uh, we've been working on it for probably two years, yeah? Yeah, like writing and demoing and everything. Yeah, like refining everything for two years. Uh, we worked with Adam Bentley from Arch Echo to get it mixed and mastered, and we self-recorded it. And let's see. Yeah, I mean, it's been about two years now. We're finally at the, the home stretch of releasing it, which should should come out. I think it's safe to say now that, yeah, we're, we're, we're safe to say that it's going to come out September 21st. So 21st. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, and then in, be, in between now and that time, we're going to be doing some other stuff. Um, but as for the EP, yeah, we're we're pretty much done with that. <laughs> we're like getting, we're in the final stuff right now, so it feels pretty good. Yeah. Okay, good. No, that's great. And I know it's oh, yeah, it's six tracks, I think, yeah, six or yeah. seven tracks. Mm-hmm. It, which one of you guys is sort of the person who goes, okay, we're gonna sit down and write the EP? Like, is there sort of a mastermind, or are you guys all pretty much creatively well, independent of one another? I wouldn't say mastermind, but you know, the person with the passion. The, the person driven uh, who kind of, you know, wanted to see this vision happen was definitely me, but I, I didn't want to do it alone. So I recruited my boys here and uh, Steve, who can't make it, of course, today. Um, but, yeah, the whole, start, the whole process started with me having a vision with what I want to hear with music. So uh, right. it started around four years ago. I was, prior to that, I was kind of a in between what I wanted to do. Like, I knew I liked music. I knew I, I knew how to play guitar. Uh, I was playing, like, metalcore. <laughs> so, uh, it was, you know... Go start was, somewhere. <laughs> it was always... It was, it was fun. And then when I realized how much more you can do, I was like, I want to do more. And I found bands like, you know, Animals with Leaders, Sean, Periphery. And I was like, I want to do that. And so then Steve, um, he was in a band with me. It was, like, a metalcore band that I started to... It wasn't my metalcore band, it was my friends, and we kind of 
he they got my input from from like you know my taste of music, which was like leading into periphery frog stuff like that, yeah. and then you know it just led to being like okay, I want to do my own thing. Like I didn't think this band was serious enough, or it wasn't my vision, and I had like my right. own thing. So me and Steve kind of separated from that. In good terms, like those guys weren't bad guys. I just think we could do. I want to say a lot better. That sounds cocky, but well, know. maybe maybe you kind of outgrew the project exactly. from a musical right, standpoint. Right, right. So that's exactly what we did. We worked on a few songs. There's a lot of songs that didn't make it to the EP um, that are still good, but I think that the audio quality and the uh, demoing takes away from it a lot. So we kind of dismissed those. They might come back, but um, from there on, yeah, we kept developing our sound. And funny enough, like four years later, we only have six songs, but we're really proud of those six songs. But uh, well, I yeah. think you guys should be very proud of those six songs because, as I mentioned in the review, um, kind of a you know basic platform for everybody here. Like I would describe you guys, Deeply Woven, as you know instrumental, progressive, something kind of in the vein of uh, David Maxim Mitzich, or however you say his last name, you know, that kind of stuff. It's it's instrumental prog, but it's a lot more than that. And um, so, I forget, were you guys friends before, or did you kind of come into Deeply Woven as uh, people who just all wanted to create music in that style? Uh, Sean claims that we're still not friends, but we just do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's kind of, yeah, we kind of picked up, um, I would say it was it was kind of uh, me and Steve, you know, at first. But anyway, um, yeah, these guys came along because me, Steve, we were doing our own thing. And, you know, as a two-piece, it doesn't sound as cool. You know, we can have backtracks and everything, but there's a certain impact that we're, 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 uh, we were looking for. And that can only be done with, like, talented members. I think in general, when you remove their tracks from the backing track, Everything tends to sound a lot cleaner, and uh, and that's a good separation of sound, and it sounds organic. And right, organic is definitely what I was trying to go for as well. Yeah. Like, yeah, I didn't want things to be like too, yeah, I guess just non-organic. Like, I wanted actual people to be there, and you know that takes time because it's like if you're trying to hold yourself to a standard, you want people that actually come through. Uh, not right, you know, not just musically talented people, but people that actually put in the work. So. These guys are doing exactly that. So I think that was the goal when I joined the band as the second guitarist to try to make the sound as organic as possible. Because at that point, we were moving the distorted guitar and like the other clean layered guitar from the backing tracks live, and it created a much more organic sound. Like for now, uh, the only uh, guitar we have in the backing tracks is like the Indian notes and like the Indian sounds in the MIDI. Oh, okay. So it definitely cleaned up our live sound a bit and made it a lot more organic. Um, and it's interesting because live, I play in all. Two, I play a two band. And, and almost mm -hmm. all analog combos, so George is all digital, so it's pretty cool to hear the analog and digital combined uh, live. Yeah, it kind of evens out, pretty much, like, yeah. yeah, like, one is, like, all analog, and one is just, like, digital, but it still blends in pretty nicely. You can get the best of both worlds, especially when you combine them. So. I think it has a unique sound coming yeah. together live. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that was, that was really, I think if I had to pick one takeaway from listening to the EP, um was what I had kind of said was like, I, there are so many like bottom of the barrel, gent instrumental bands and they all sound 
completely the same. Like it's literally just somebody with an Ibanez seven string and like, they're just playing the same yeah. crap <laughs> over and over again. I'm sorry if that's the guitar you play, but, no, it's good. but I, I okay, I'm going to back up a step. I was at, um, I went to see OTEP recently and they had some, I'm really sorry, but just this awful, terrible, like, rock rap band opening with them oh, and this guy it was just like terrible rock rap and there was the one guitarist he had an eight string ibanez and i swear he played like three of the strings like he looked like he would have rather been doing homework really quick was than this, was, being there was this the band hacktivist no it was um it's terrible I mean, I wanted to be so open-minded and like it so much, and it was just awful. But I'm like, this guy should be in a better band. Like, he is way underselling his talent. And I'm thinking, he's he could go off and at least make, like, a crappy gent band that sounds like every other crappy gent band out there. But this guy was just, like, staring through the crowd, oh, just, God. like, playing the same it's three notes the entire time. He looks so miserable. Monotonous chugging. But, That's a new <laughs> genre. Monotonous chugging. I guess. Oh, it was just bad, but I was like, bro, I feel for you. I'm so sorry. But um, that being said, to get back on topic, I'm sorry. The thing that really struck me when I listened to everything was it was those additional sounds, the the weather noises in particular and like the additional textures and stuff. Um, so, I, you know, you mentioned some of your, your musical uh, references and idols, I guess. Uh, what's what's the most important element you can add to your music to, to really leave an impact on your listeners? Like, what do you think is the the most important part of all the music that you've just written? Um, for me, that's hard to say. I mean, I, I mean, I can give you a cliche answer, like to be unique, but I mean, I, I really can't get too much more into depth. It's more, it's yeah, it's really about being unique and that itself is cliche. But the, it's whatever you sound like isn't cliche. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's about, like, yeah, that's the formula to be unique. But how would you provide that? That takes, personally, it takes, like, life lessons. I know it sounds dumb, but, like, my, my personal experience yeah. with life um, and how I translate that with music. That's, I think that's mm -hmm. the best way to describe that. It's just, like, the, 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 the sum of what I, I am at that point when I write music. I want to put that into words, not, not into words, but into music, you know? Right. And it, it takes a certain mentality just to kind of develop that because that's not going to happen like that. You know, it's going to take, mm -hmm. you know, recording that button 10,000 times, that recording button 10,000 times and doing things differently, making that note a little bit differently, but it's all about like what resonates with you. Not, you know, there, there's a certain point, you know, you know, of a musician's kind of a, way of writing it's like okay i know what i'm doing here i can do this and that and that and that but then it's about evoking certain emotions where it's, it's super new if it's really new to you then it's new to everybody else so yeah that's so very well said yeah i try to approach things like that and just make it as tasteful as possible that's my approach but i don't know if you want to make any input on that but um i, I personally just like like the textual quality of um our songs i think like there's a lot of parts like interweaving and sort of like not yeah. exactly um, lined up with one another, like uh, parts that, you know, like are angular or something. Um, mm -hmm. that's, that's what I hope would like, make an impact on the listeners. Like just a lot of stuff to look into like separately, like sure. a lot of points of like 
where you can dive in and hear like that certain thing and then drift away from that, hear something new besides that. Yeah. I, I really enjoy stuff that allows me to come back for multiple listens. It's kind of like a good movie. If, if you really enjoy a movie that you think is funny or, um, you know, it pulls on your heartstrings, you can watch that movie 20 times and you're always going to pick up on something different. And that's kind of what I strive for with my ear too. And I think maybe, you know, it's safe to say that all four of us right here, we're all progressive music fans. It's very boring to sit through pop music or stuff that's a little bit more formulaic. And even though like throwing the term around prog as a genre that can also become formulaic, um, you know, people will be like, oh, this is definitely prog, even though it actually really sounds like every other prog band out there. So is it really prog? But um, That's true. I I like being able to, to latch on to something and let my ear kind of take me where I want it to go mm-hmm. from there. And I, I definitely think you guys have accomplished that because in between this and the interview, I was like, ooh, I want to go back and listen to Holoport and see what I can pick out. Or like some of the stuff that I heard at the first listen, um, there's a lot more for me to grab onto. That's awesome. That's cool. exactly uh, we look up the bands like Animals of Leaders that does exactly that. Like there's one part that you can listen to, you're like that was hot, and then like the next time, like the next four or five listens, all of a sudden you're listening to the drum part. Like yo, I didn't even know right. about that. Or yeah. like there's like one little minimal thing that just that now it comes out to me. So we we do like the whole thing about layers and everything. Like you things that you can dig into we try to do that and mm-hmm. we don't try to do it too much because we don't want to overcomplicate things but that's the whole right. purpose is to kind of make everything coherent but still um pique your curious or your curiosity so that you can have right. those moments to peek or i'm sorry to, to look into you know mm-hmm. to to sort of go back to what you were saying george about how um you know you you want to craft this music that kind of speaks to something you're going through in your life or just a period in time being that you guys have had a much longer period of time to write this music. You've been doing it for, I mean, the EP for two years, but you've kind of been together for four. You know, I imagine you're all young men, you're going through different stuff in your life. Like how do you know when something's finished? You're working on something for four years and you might be going through like, let's say a bad breakup or a relative gets cancer or something, you know, something that's going to deeply impact your life. Well, if you get over it and another three years go by, how do you go back and revisit that song or, or rework that song to make it just as meaningful as it was when that first, um, inspiration hit? I guess, uh, the same way I was kind of describing, like, you know, how to transition what I go through life into my music. I really don't know how I do it. I mean, it's, it's because it's a, it's a combination of life experiences and what I pick up from other musicians. So it's a combination of that. Um, Definitely, I agree with you, picking up from other musicians. Thing. Yeah, uh, it's a whole combination of things. It's sort of something that you can't even avoid. Like, you know, yeah, you'll, you'll have like a random yeah. creative spike or inspiration and you write something and then later on you listen to it and you're like, wow, that sounds like a contortionist. Like yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> like, we, we draw a lot of inspiration from parts of the music as we listen to it and um, that's part of the replay value like every time we go back and dig into something we might find something that inspires us a little bit more than um, we listened to it before but uh, yeah that's that's our, our main thing like we, we draw a lot of inspiration from the music because like it's, it's, it, it's the inspiration we get from everyday life that translates to our mental state and which in turn is what influences our music and that's, yeah, that's okay. what speaks for us. Like, I mean, if somebody resonates with the music, um, 
like you know how you say like you know it's only it's only so relatable like pop music right because it's oh it's all feel good it's all good you know what i'm saying with other yeah. music there is like emotional you know dynamic and everything as well you can feel that even with instrumental music and if you can feel that through through our sit you know through our through our music then we accomplish that because that's exactly the goal is to kind of like resonate with other people um, and I, I've always liked that being instrumental. You are in a sense kind of giving the listener a blank slate for their ear because you don't have lyrics to sort of coach you through stuff. Exactly. right. And that was going to be a question was sort of what made you land on sticking as an instrumental band? Not, not to mention that currently like in 2018 to be an instrumental progressive metal band or progressive rock band, you are in, no small company there are a ton of them but and they're they're being very successful and i think you could listen to you know plenty or intervals or animals as leaders and you can get something entirely emotionally different from all of them yeah um so yeah i wasn't sure what what the reasoning behind that was but you kind of already answered it it's just that you can sort of um give everybody's ear their own jumping off point it's not a prescribed meaning Right, exactly. Yeah, people can interpret that feeling however they like. You know, like certain songs can be a little sad or melancholic, and it can remind them of something that's going on through their life. But it can kind of relate into when I was writing it. Like I was felt this way too, but it's not the exact same thing. But another thing, just to clarify, it's also because we we write instrumental music because we just. Personally, I do still want a vocalist. I'm not actively looking into it as often as mm-hmm. I was before. Um, and I'm always kind of jumping and kind of like keeping my eye out to see if there is somebody out there. But I, I don't write off the chance uh, or the uh, option to have a vocalist. It just has to be somebody tailored, okay. you know? Somebody who, like, re- like, you know, is just like us, like, has the same vision, like, really wants to make something unique. And, you know, there's a lot of vocalists out there, but there's, like, very few that really line up with certain people's visions so it's still out there like it's still a, a, an option hopefully at least for me i don't know how you guys yeah, feel about it but the same way, though. yeah yeah i mean okay. as of right now though i think we're doing pretty well with just keeping it instrumental i think we can translate exactly what we want through uh without lyrics so that's a uh, that's a good segue then um i know you guys are based out of what like southern southern new jersey you're real close to philly correct yeah for the yeah. most part Okay, so you're, uh, you know, you're actively playing shows in and around the Philly area, which I know is pretty much a hotbed for all sorts of things, like big shows come there, big acts come there. Um, How has your, how has your touring been, or your local shows been, like, what is that like for you guys as a band? Uh, Well, we haven't toured yet, we're gonna hopefully do one in the fall, that would be awesome, Um, but the shows have been cool, Um, like you were saying, like the I mean, like the diversity of the area, a lot of big acts coming through, and like um, we've been able to play shows that were like super diverse and really interesting. Like I never thought that um, I'd play a show in like a rock or metal band with a rap a rap group, and we ended up playing. Oh, who, played a show who did you play with? Yeah, yeah, that was interesting. Ah. Yeah, it was cool. Like it's just like everyone gets you know their own flavor of music. You know, it, it, it just creates like a cross appeal or something. I wrote down some of the bands that you guys have toured with, and that's like you read my mind. There's, or no, I keep saying tour. I, I'm saying play the show. I keep yeah, using yeah. the terms interchangeably, but 
John Ferrara from Consider the Source. Like I've gotten to see them, and he is a phenomenal bass player. Like he is just so interesting to watch. I'm like in my head, like rolling back, like man, that would be a sick show. Like you guys with the real bright, vibrant, you know, instrumental prog, and then you just have John like shredding the hell away. Um, He plays like a synth with his feet. Like he has like a an old like organ foot like pedal board or something, and he converted it. Okay. And he plays like polyrhythms with his feet on this like MIDI keyboard, basically, and while playing bass. And it's, it's wow, that was yeah, it's really unique. Me away. Yeah, it's very cool to see. I, I will say, when I got to see him with Consider the Source, granted, I was kind of standing like on his side of the stage, mm-hmm. but. I couldn't stop watching him because he was just like playing and he like bounces up and down when he plays. And he, he was just so interesting to watch. And I was like, man, if I was in a band, I, I wouldn't know what to do. Like getting to share a stage with a guy like that. Um, you've also played with aviations, right? Yeah. Uh, really like some people, you know, bands that people that listen to the stuff we listen to should know about. So, um, like, have you guys had a favorite, show you've done or, or anything that you've really had like a big takeaway from uh, well, it's safe to say that we we all for the most part we haven't had we barely had any bad shows um there's definitely ones that stand out more than the others but uh, me my personal favorite was i mean if i had to choose can i choose like a few <laughs> uh, yeah that's that's fine uh, i'm terrible at choosing too. A, the, a definite favorite of mine would be we played with Arch Echo when they toured with uh, Aviation and yeah. uh, who else did they tour with? Stargazer was playing. No, no, they didn't tour with. So with, you know Stargazer, we played with them. Um, I'm so jealous. Yeah, I know you love Stargazer, and you should. You're rightfully so about that because yeah, those guys are killer. Uh, we got to play with Stargazer, Circuitry. Was it Circuitry that day? No, 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 no. It was just us, Stargazer, Arch Echo, and Aviation. And aviations, right. Uh, and that was in Trenton, New Jersey. And it was just, yeah, it was just so well put together. Um, I Honestly, it was just the lineup itself. It was, it, it was mm-hmm. really incredible. So we had a blast. And we actually had somebody, uh, we had Steve's friend who brought out, um, sorry, Steve brought out two people that did uh, uh, video video work. And they made uh, like, this really, really cool video with, like, uh, added visuals and stuff that they gave to us later. So that's actually going to be released when we put that together with the EP song. Um, but yeah, that, that's probably one of my favorite shows. I, I'm not going to go into the other ones, but I'll leave it at that. That was definitely a, okay. a really good one. A uh, memorable show for me was when we opened for Crypto Dira at uh, Dingbats yeah. in our northern New Jersey. They I were think. on my list too. I, I, and they were kind of what, like prog death metal in a sense? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah they were yeah. so tight live. It was amazing. And they're all really cool dudes too, and they they enjoyed our set as well. And it was really awesome to hear. And um, yeah, I just I, I bought their CD after, and I like I was listening to it a lot on Spotify, but I was waiting for that moment just to pick it up in person from them themselves. They're really yeah. cool. Like, yes, yeah. I have it in my yeah. hands. <laughs> We're actually trying to set something up with them again, hopefully soon. So be on the lookout, guys. No, I, I really hope you guys can make it out out west uh, yeah, to cross the grand expanse of Pennsylvania I'm, I'm because your list for sure I have that all saved in the spreadsheet. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I'm just thinking about like how you guys all had a very different and specific answer. Obviously, like uh, 
you know, bass player Sean, you answer, oh, I really liked playing with John Ferrara. And, <laughs> and then, um, like, that's got to be really interesting. You're trying to present this image that you're a unique band. And, and, you know, I can't imagine that it's easy to try to make yourself stand out when you're playing in a city and a scene that is kind of saturated with, you know, math rock, prog, that sort of thing. So when you're bouncing off of all these other artists that aren't even in really the same lane as you guys, like, is that, do you find that that's pretty beneficial uh, that you're kind of like rubbing up against these other bands that really don't even play the same style of music as you, or, or do you prefer to play the stuff like that? You know, like that show with aviations, Arjeco, those guys are all kind of in the same vein as deeply woven. I, I honestly enjoy all of it because like we, we play shows when we play with like other proggy bands. Um, it's just like, it's just a great like listening experience basically. But um, mm-hmm. sometimes we play shows with like more just like a metal uh, lineup. And that's really cool too, because then like we're the ones adding something different to the, to the lineup in that case. Right. Um, and yeah, it's just, I, I just like, yeah, it changes All the things shows. up. <laughs> yeah, it, it really changes it up with a just diverse sounds, and we don't go too far off. Like we we look into like who we're playing with, and we're like, okay, this is cool. Um, yeah, for the most part, we're comfortable with the shows that we've played so far, and because we look into what we're playing, you know, we, we try to be mm-hmm. a little bit, you know, a little smart with uh, the gigs that we play. But for the most part, it's been a breeze. You know, we've been playing with really cool people. That's awesome. Yeah, I wish I was more informed about what the scene is like out there, but I just know it's kind of an advantage and a disadvantage when you live near a large metro area, because if you're in like a little small, tiny ass town, like, yeah, you guys are definitely going to be the best example of your genre in a place like that. But then you're suddenly entering a really competitive world where you're trying to get your name on the bill and, you know, get that exposure out there. Um, I guess I can ask all of you then at this point, if you had an aim for Deeply Woven, like, you know, in a distant future where you guys have written multiple albums and you're, you're, everything's going great. Like who would be the band that you would want to open for? Periphery off the bat. All right, fine. I mean, I personally love Periphery. I think the guys, uh, for the most part, they get, you haven't really delved into it much, but, uh, I, I would, my answer would be the Contortion. Yeah, well, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I love both those bands, but mine's through the animals as leaders. Cool. Yeah, well, we all. Wow, okay. The, the thing is, we want to play with all of those guys. So then Yeah, I I, and, and I think you will. Like, I, I will look back on this on this um, interview someday and be like, yeah. 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 <laughs> That's cool. We made it happen. We had technical difficulties and then sat around for half an hour, and <laughs> suddenly they're opening for periphery. I think you guys could do it. Like, absolutely. Um, Thanks so much. Yeah, I, and I love all three of those bands too, and I've seen them all live and like multiple times, all of them, and um, just yeah, getting to open for any of those would be pretty amazing. Yeah, um, I'm kind of looking over my questions here because I know there's stuff I should have asked earlier that I'm going to kind of go backwards towards yeah. now, but um, because you know, really, all three of you guys, I don't, I don't know you super well, but I was sort of curious about. Uh, for each of you, like how you all picked up the instruments you chose and sort of what your pathway was towards, uh, where you are now. Yeah. You know, like what your, like what your musical training's like, who your influences were, that sort of thing. Okay. Um, well I started with music, uh, on saxophone in the fourth grade, actually. Me too. uh, Nice. Very nice. 
<laughs> yeah, I was playing alto sax. Um, I did that for fourth and fifth grade, and then I stopped because I had an interesting guitar and I wanted to play that instead. Because <laughs> like a lot of the music I was listening yeah. to at the time had guitar as a primary focus, and like at the time I was listening to a lot of older music like Jimi Hendrix and Led Zeppelin, stuff in that in that realm, and um, that really inspired me when I was younger. And uh, this was when I was like twelve years old. I picked up the guitar, and um, yeah, after you know. You know, growing up and having different influences, like, you know, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Rage Against the Machine, Incubus, like, even those type bands were my influences at some point. And um, it ultimately led me to where I'm at now, which is, um, you know, uh, playing playing frog because I, I discovered other bands and it took me on my musical journey. Um, basically, when my music shifted from that kind of stuff to frog was when I discovered uh, Chan in uh, 2014. And they were honestly the first band I discovered that was, like, this type of music. And it blew my mind at the time because it was, like, very refreshing ah. to hear. And um, so, yeah, after I discovered Sean, I discovered, uh, you know, like uh, Animals as Leaders, Pliny, The Contortionist, all those guys. And uh, that really, like, changed my focus on guitar from playing, you know, rock and, like, funk and that kind of stuff and blues to frogs, uh, rock and metal, and uh, with, with a heavy jazz influence. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's basically my answer right there. Okay, I can definitely hear the Tron influence for I, sure. I that is, I hope before. in every possible way a compliment. I love Tron. I didn't know you played sex. That's pretty cool. That's why I, wanted, yeah. I didn't want to hear yeah, the answers before this because I wanted to learn more about them on the spot. So that's kind of cool. Um, but well, actually, then, um, Sean, did you? Well, did you guys program the little uh, like spoiler alert? The little sax part at the end of I think it's Hollow Port. Oh, uh, that's that's recorded from. Uh, buddy of ours, uh, Gabe, he, he came over and recorded okay. the saxophone. So that was actually pre-written before George wrote it on MIDI. And um, yeah, we actually wanted to have an organic saxophone on the, on the record. So we had somebody come in and record it. And uh, we, we love what he did on it. Uh, the first half is actually improv. Uh, the yeah. second half is the, oh. the pre-written yeah. uh, half. Um, but yeah, it was it, it fooled me. It came together supernaturally. Yeah. That's that's definitely my favorite song on that on the EP. But um, I agree. I like, yeah, it. like my well. it felt like the best kind of elevator music, like gnarly <laughs> elevator music. It's nice. just like that sick face riff at the beginning, and like I don't know. I just I just love it. Like I'm I'm just dying for this EP to release so I can just spam everybody with it. But um, yeah, I, I it felt very organic. I wasn't sure if that was like a Saying that one of you guys just came up with, and you're like, oh, oh shit, we gotta find a saxophone player. Uh, it's yeah. always good to have a saxophone player in your back pocket because you never know um, when you're gonna need one. Because like every every tech death band at some point is like, we need a sax solo in here. Yeah, Let's yeah, do definitely. it. Oh, so what was the previous question? I don't know if we were like going around. It, yeah, it was um, just kind of like. Give me a walkthrough of your musical upbringing and what sort of led you to play guitar or bass. Uh, uh, so yeah, we heard from you know, who, who your influences were. Oh, right. right. You want to? I can go. Yeah, um, I started playing guitar when I was eight because um, my dad also plays guitar. And it sounds really lame, but I was watching Franklin. If you don't remember that show. Like the turtle. turtle. Yeah. And he was, okay. I don't know why, he was, it was like some episode where he was like, I want to learn how to play piano. And it was like a click <laughs> in my mind. I was like, why don't I ask my dad to teach me how to play guitar? Um, so that's <laughs> thanks, how it Franklin. started. Yeah, thanks, Franklin. Um, <laughs> uh, and then uh, in like school band, I played alto sax as well. Um, 
Nice. Then... You're really outnumbered, George. I know, right? <laughs> what am I doing? All I can do is uh, program off of that. And then, uh, you know, I continued with guitar as well. And then uh, I joined the jazz band in high school. And uh, I, I don't know, I, I figured out that jazz bass was a little more fun than jazz guitar to me. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I played, started playing bass when I was 14. Um, still play guitar. I, I, I like to write on guitar. So okay. um, I just play bass like in the public eye, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> um, and also I played like euphonium, uh, the, the baritone horn. In so did I. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's just nice and, you know, it's not as huge as the tuba. It's not as cumbersome, but. Um, it's, it's a lot more manageable. Yeah. And uh, piano for a little bit. Um, and that's pretty much it. Um, and then, yeah, my influences. Uh, the first style of music I guess I got sort really really got into was like alternative rock for the '90s, um, Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, the first okay. band that I really like got super heavy into. Uh, you saw them live, so. Yeah, I finally yeah. saw them after like I never saw them like growing up. So, um, and then you know it just branched out from there. Uh, I found out about like prog metal, I guess, and like when I was in college. And um, also getting into other styles too. I always like got into some hip hop and rap. And uh, like recently, it's been like jazz, a lot of jazz fusion stuff. That's just like really mm-hmm. like, piquing my interest. So I think um, in like the rock world, you know, I'm not a bass player, but uh, it's very easy to just get this image in your head of like the guy just standing there, like string string you know i mean you know you are part of the rhythm section and that does not mean that they should not be interesting or fun um and like there's bands like obscura and you know bands with with people who are doing insane things on bass uh or like i think of flea so i yeah i wasn't sure like it seems like you kind of took took the jazz pill and now you've come out like all right i'm ready to play more interesting stuff yeah yeah i always wanted to make like bass not just follow the root notes and like be its own instrument, you know. So that's what I try and do when I when I write my bass parts, basically. It's another thing that I'm not super knowledgeable about, and George knows this because I've asked him a lot of really stupid questions. But um, what have been some of the challenges with with all of you guys just doing a lot of your own demoing and uh, recording and stuff? Like, what are the biggest hangups you face? Uh, using free version of Cubase. <laughs> It's just like a little limiting and uh, can be glitchy at times. That's that's what we use to record all the uh, the DI tracks for the guitar and bass DI tracks for the EP. Mm-hmm. Um, was my my version of Cubase that came with like Pod Farm or whatever. Um, but it ended up working out fine. Like it's still, you know, as long as the export uh, quality is good enough, then you can still just you know record good really quality amazing. DIs and yeah. figure out like the reamping and like. Yeah. You know, further processing later. Yeah. Uh, um, are you talking about uh, recording it like the the EP or like in general, like demoing? Well, I guess I guess kind of in general because I'm not in a band, and so I only get my uh, knowledge of like you know band chemistry and like the recording stuff when you see like YouTube videos. Oh, you know, we're live in the studio. We're going to show you a little bit of our session. But I imagine that every band goes through a lot of challenges just okay. trying to get your settings right and, and all pick a time and a date and get everything right and how many takes you have to do. Like, that's that's a world that I don't really have a lot of yeah, let, let me, understanding uh, of. Yeah, let me dive into that a little bit, actually, because um, 
for the most part, well, yeah, I was actually there for the, for almost all of the tracking and setting all of that up, except you recorded bass on your own, and uh, he reamped on his own. But, um, yeah, like, it's, the difficult thing is just trying to, you know, we had plenty of time to definitely record and everything. We, like, had a pretty good schedule. Um, it was just about, like, learning mic, mic placements on drums. That was very new to us, uh, to me and Steve. Um, and that was a challenge, but it wasn't, a, you know, it was it was just that. Like, it didn't go over, you know, mm-hmm. being, you know, overly difficult. Um, we actually used um, Nolly and Matt from Periphery. They had, like a like, a recording studio lesson thing. And it was, like, yeah. super, super expensive. I promise you, I think it was, like, over four hours. And they, like, broke down every single thing about drums. And then at the very end, they even, like, touched up on, like, how to record guitars, um, vocals, bass, rhythm guitars, lead. And that was such a huge help. Um, and surprisingly, I got it. It's, like, a $99, um, like, package thing. And it was like, around Christmas of last year. And we got it for, like, nineteen ninety nine. And it wow. was, like, the biggest convenience for us. And from there, like, it was so thorough. Like, uh, I know it sounds dumb because, I don't know, Matt and Nolly will never hear this. But who knows? Shout out to hey. those guys for putting that out there because that helped us <laughs> out so much. Like, we, yeah. we got the mic placement so, so, like, it wasn't perfect. But, like, for the first time doing it, like, Adam Bentley, the guy that we, you know, the guy from Arch Echo who's mixed, who mixed and mastered. He said these sound pretty damn good. Like, like there yeah. was no bleed on like certain mics and everything. Everything was you know very very doable for him. So that was you know that was a challenge, but it wasn't anything that we couldn't get done. So other than that, it was more about like you know execution. Like uh, Steve, I remember him having some trouble. Like you know, it's overwhelming. Like you know, trying to uh, execute things properly, and. I saw him one day where, you know, we were all getting frustrated. And I mean, well, he was getting frustrated and I was kind of like, you know, I have to kind of like, I can't, I can't do much about that, but support him and right. just kind of be like, okay, no worries, dude. Like, you know, let's keep recording, whatever. First day was rough. Second, third day, he came in with a complete different mentality and he just killed it. He just went straight to it. He was like, let's do it again. Let's do that. Let's do this. I don't like this. Let's do that. In two days, we got the whole EP done for drums. Wow. So, I mean, it's all about, like, putting yourself into a certain state of mind and, you know, trying to conquer those challenges. But, yeah, it's pretty yeah. much that. And everything it's else just, is stuff. to be very adaptable. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, other than oh. that, yeah, everything was just, like, a, the regular process, you know, going through recording and everything else. But it's been it's been a learning process, and, we, yeah, we'll, we'll take a lot from the first time around. Uh, with the new album, we'll definitely have a better uh, clarification of things. So mm-hmm. can't wait for that. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for that too. Like I'm already getting ahead of myself because <laughs> the new EP has to drop. But um, like I guess as long it. as you have you know a band that's together, you guys are all still willing to make music with each other. Like that, that chemistry is something that's really irreplaceable. And um, you know, I mean, there's not a price you can put on that. Uh, that's just how it is. Sean, did you have anything to add about the recording process, or? Um, George covered it really well. Um, okay. Pretty much summarized everything. 
that's pretty cool though too i didn't know that about um nolly and everyone like i know that's i know that's nolly's thing like their periphery in general is just so fantastic in the fact that they don't want to hide their knowledge they're like please yes we'll teach you everything yeah, we'll we'll yeah. write tab books and you can play our parts and we'll we'll put this all out here and i they're, uh they're i really, love that yeah they're a really self-sufficient band and that's exactly like the mentality i want to put us all through like we don't need to rely on much people i mean yes there's going to be people that we have to rely on like you know our fans uh certain yeah you certain people in the lives that we have to keep by but like we can manage this especially as an independent artist because we're not signed mm -hmm. yet we have to do everything on our own for the most part and if the, the better we can do that then the more self-sufficient we are so yeah that's, right. that's another reason why i love periphery that they're they're a hard-working band so i respect that absolutely like i get the sense now that i talk to you guys for 40 minutes like just that um that long? it you know, uh, yeah, I know already. Like, awesome. yeah, 40, 40 something. But, um, like, it's not that there's a lot of bands out there that I immediately look or listen to them and be like, hmm, like, they probably all are assholes to each other. <laughs> but I think the quality and the standards and the expectations you set on yourselves, it it's pretty apparent that they're high. And that's great because you're only going to be able to do better and greater things once you can get through this first thing and like learn how to properly do all this stuff on your own. Cause I think, I think a lot of people wouldn't go through that effort. They kind of would just go, ah, well, yeah, here, here it is. Like, right. I hope you like it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We, yeah, yeah exactly. We, we, we basically observe other people that other bands that do that. And we try to be like, okay, that's not working out for them. Let's see. You know, our only option is to work our asses off. So that's what we're trying to do. That's <laughs> that's a great attitude to have yeah. um i've gotten through all of my questions but i always like to save this one towards the end but um and and it's going to take three times as long because there's three of you but each one of you i would love to know if you could only listen to three albums basically forever what would those three albums be um me i thought i was thinking over it. it's pretty hard I, I think i know two and i think i might just wing the third one but um, definitely uh, Tigran Hamayasen's Shadow Theater. That one like still just resonates with me like the hardest. Um, it just takes like each time I listen to it, I it doesn't get old, and that's I think that's what you should look for into an album that you're gonna have to listen to forever. Like something that you can just dive into. Like just like like what Sean was saying again. Like it's just one of those. It's one of those pieces that you can keep diving into it and like there's so much more that you can learn from it so like if i was to only listen to an album it's something that i want to keep coming back to and like keep figuring out like how did they do this and it confers you know like and i think maybe i'm thinking too literally but yeah if you're talking about like forever you're thinking about okay there's, yeah. there's one moment there's one huge chunk of your years that you're just listening to it just like, this is fantastic then you still have to listen to just that now you have like all of this time to learn it, and that's mm -hmm. going to take a long time because Tigran, he's such a crazy player. So right. that gives you like again forever gives you forever amount of time to like you know. So that's definitely one of the bands that I de or artists or albums that I'll definitely listen to. Um, a second one would be Native Construct because it does just that, and yeah, a third one. 
I'm trying to think of just like a feel good one, and I think Zeta. <laughs> Zeta by you can answer it however you like, but yeah, the the self the self titled album by Zeta, uh, you know Daniel Tompkins' side project. Yes. Yeah, yes. That's just a, such a feel good album that I think I could bounce between those three albums and be satisfied for the rest of eternity. <laughs> no, that's that's more of like a um like a synth wave kind yeah. of like he gets involved in a lot of things. Have you listened to um is it what White Moth Black Butterfly? Right? Yeah, yeah, something like that. I haven't gotten into it as much and probably cuz I it's probably not much more of my thing than Tesseract or Zeta, but I appreciate it cuz I did listen to one song, but I haven't dived into it as much. I haven't really either, but I just I always like um artists that don't limit themselves to one band or one project. Yeah, They're like, yeah, well, yeah. if my voice or my playing style fits with a synthwave band or a folk band, hey, why not? Like, why would you want to limit yourself yeah, creatively exactly. like that? Yeah. Those are those are great answers. I actually enjoy all those albums. But anyway, um, I'm going to pick a Sean. Right, Either right. Sean, I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> uh, yeah, three albums for me would be, uh, well, number one would be Language by The Contortionist. I think that album's completely flawless, and I could listen to that forever and not get tired of it. Um, and like I've drawn That's a lot of inspiration on guitar from that album. Which one? Uh, language. Oh, language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And um, yeah, number two would be Joy Motion by Animals Leaders. Mm. I yeah, I draw a lot of inspiration on that as well on guitar, and that's that's an album that really like uh, just gave me a refreshing outlook on guitar after hearing it. Really cool to discover at the time. And uh, yeah, third would be Parallax Two by Between the Buried and Me. Yeah. Oh, here, hold on. Yeah, I know uh, this isn't going to get yeah, recorded, yeah. but that's that's shirt. my shirt. Yeah, so, nice. that's I'm wearing my lucky BT Bam shirt. <laughs> that's my favorite yeah. album by them. Yeah, it's my favorite yeah. album by them, too. Yeah, it's I'm more of a coma ecliptic kind of girl, but Parallax 2 is my second favorite. So, just Solid. just so you don't hate me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, lo- I love coma ecliptic as well. Yeah. It, was hard, it was hard to pick a favorite. That three? I know. I, I, yeah, I'm I waiting for somebody to ask me, like, well, what are your three favorites? And I'm going to just sit here and go, uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, I can pick like 10, but, uh, <laughs> it's, no, I probably could pick three, but, you know, well, well, I want to know what you guys are okay. picking. So I kind of want to hear your answer. Yeah. My yeah. three. Um, yeah, I think my three would be, uh, Fortress by Protest the Hero. Nice. That's yeah. a given. That was like my first entry into, n- not my first, but it was my, one of the the first entries into the prog metal world for me. And I came from like a, oh, screaming vocals are scary kind <laughs> of background. So that for some reason bridged the gap for me. Um, probably Speak for Yourself by Image and Heat, actually, because. I love her voice and I love um, sort of like what she can do with vocal textures and, you know, her vocoder and her keyboards, just incredible. And then probably on letting go by circus survive. Nice. Uh, That's a super nostalgic album for me. I had this crappy first job where I worked at GNC and I had a lot of downtime. Like our store was so slow. Nobody would ever come in. I would work on a Sunday and we get like four customers. So I had a lot of downtime and I love that album so much. I would just like literally sing it to myself in the store and not a single person would walk in. And I guess just because his voice, like Anthony Green's voice is so weird. It's so different. I was like, one, that guy can sing like way higher than most women can. It's just so weird, but it just worked. It was just bizarre. Like the crazy drum writing and 
that, that's definitely like a proto prog album. I I would consider Circus Survive a progressive group for sure. Okay. A lot of people don't, but they do some things that some other bands just aren't out there doing. I digress. I took a while to answer that. All right, Sean. I, I think it's Sean's turn, right? Oh yeah. Tilt that shit. Um. So number one would be Siamese Dream by Smashing Pumpkins for me. Um, okay. That is like an album I heard when I was like, I don't know, like twelve or something, and uh. It was like uh, before that I was listening to like a lot of like, like again alternative rock from that era, and um, mm-hmm. when I heard that album, I was like, "This is something I've been like searching for," you know, like it's like something with more emotional complexity and like sort of trippy trippiness going on, like weird weird sounds, and um, uh, it's just sort of uh, it sounds weird, but like I feel like I had like, this, this unconscious like idea of what I wanted the band, the band to sound like, and that like fulfilled it like when i heard that i was like this is what i've been waiting for basically um, cool and then also i'm gonna go with language by the contortionist um oh man two yeah. two out of three yeah that album has a lot of good memories for me because i saw them like five times or six times on that tour um yeah on that that album run uh and i heard about them before with intrinsic but um i like by the time i got into music they were already writing language so that was the first time i got to see them live um mm-hmm. and it was incredible um it's just such a good cerebral album <laughs> i like that and, yeah um, yeah uh, and then uh my last one i was gonna say um parallax too <laughs> nice. but uh guys I, come I, on I, <laughs> no no explained, i'll go with um cynic uh trace and air um because uh. i was like i remember being like in uh in college <laughs> doing finals and i was like i really need something like to get me like going again and i checked out that band on youtube on like a related video and i listened to the full album and i was like literally my first thought was like this is one of the most perfectly written albums i've ever heard it's just like the the songwriting is so like on point and like like the song the songs are short which i also appreciate and like sometimes Mm -hmm. like you know i get sick of 12 minute like prog Prog epics i don't know like yeah prog (laughs) epics um and i just i like that aspect that they could write like three and a half minute songs that had like so much going on throughout it, like packed in, um, yeah. good songwriting and, uh, yeah, Tristan Ayers. That's a great album. That's a great album. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a, that's actually, um, something I didn't mention, like in my intro episode about how rock band and playing drums on rock band was sort of like a gateway into the frog world for me. But I remember, um, evolutionary sleeper, uh, by Cynic was in Rock Band as downloadable content, and I played the shit out of that song. Yeah, it was just awesome. like the, yeah, one of the coolest rock band has like tracks. Of, yeah, Rock Band has like a lot of a lot more options than Guitar Hero. That's like, awesome they had that as an option. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah that, that, that was like, a hell of a song to try to play along to. Also, what's that song by uh, prequel to sequel by BT Band? Was in I think it was in Rock Band or Guitar Hero, or something. I, it was in Rock Band. Yeah, yeah, that's that's just cool to see. Well, it was, yeah, it was a, uh, like, very good move on Harmonix's part to include all these crazy, like, extreme metal bands and um, just, like, out there stuff because when you're breaking the music down into what buttons do I press, like, sure, prog bands are going to have harder buttons to press most of the time. Yeah. But, like a prog uh, band. Like, 
Yeah, it's like weird how you just like click on a random thing on YouTube and you end up with this world changing view of music. I mean, I I remember I would just go on Rock Band and like I'd have ten dollars to spend and go, okay, well I'm gonna sort by difficulty, see what the hardest drum part is on Expert, see if I can play it, and then like voila, I end up with Between the Buried and Me and Dream Theater and all these bands that I had no like. I almost wish I could go back to a time when I didn't know those bands and kind of discover them all over again but i guess that's where you guys step in you get to create the new music that other people in the future are going to be like oh man i want to play deeply woven on rock band that should be your goal really oh, yeah i mean like it sounds <laughs> like sounds like rock band sort of gave birth to a lot of rock heads. it did for me i'm gonna have to like find out in the future of this show that's gonna be my other mandatory question like did you play rock band or guitar hero yes or no Never. If the answer is no, <laughs> get off my show. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people found out stuff that way. Yeah, yeah. Rock band, rock band's hard to play when you actually play guitar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like people that don't play guitar or bass, like they have a blast of that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. It's, it's like totally a different. Wait, I really quick. I want to say, okay, yeah, for games, this is irrelevant, but I used to just play Mario Kart. GameCube Mario Kart was the best. And yes. I was. I'm still good at it. I I dare anybody to challenge me. I dare. No, it's out there right now. Actually, that's a that's a funny question because um so you know you guys have played plenty of local shows and stuff. I am pretty sure that didn't Aviations bring like an N64 out on their tour with them? Possibly, but I'm not too sure. But I think that's well, I think that's the thing that people are doing because of yeah. Tron because they did the Super Mario uh, the Super Bro tours or thing whatever. Okay. Which is interesting. I didn't know it was them that started it. it. I'm not too sure, but that's that's cool. Man, championship but, bar in Trenton, where we played with Aviation, they have their own Nintendo setup all the time in that venue, which is pretty cool. <laughs> Did they? I, I played like um, I played Tetris or something really boring with Auras one time. <laughs> like the weird well, experience. I, like, how I know you, you guys, guys are, are like way East Coast, Coast yeah. and yeah. Um, he's, he's way, way West Coast, Coast but, but you're probably familiar with. with um, Kyle Schaefer from Archaeologist. That's exactly what I was thinking of. Yeah, and I know he, because I follow him on like all kinds of different, I just tagged him in a post on Crossbounds today, but like, um, you know, he, he was asking somebody like, is it rude? Is it rude that I bring my N64 to the merch table or something? And I guess he was, um, God, I'm sorry if I'm like paraphrasing any of this wrong, but I think he was just asking like, well, I hope people don't think that it's like a gimmicky thing or like, I don't actually want to talk to people when they come up and see me after a show and say, Hey man, I really like your music. He's like, I saw it more as a, as a um, gateway into just like communicating with fans and yeah. bridging that gap. Yeah. yeah the, the, the only difference there is like, if he was just playing the game at the merch table and he was just like, yeah, yeah, pick up the CD dude. And he just kept playing. Yeah, you know? Right. Right. And he doesn't strike me as that kind of person no, at no, all. No. So he wouldn't be playing for like a five hour show. <laughs> So no, yeah, that's that's definitely it depends on the person, but Kyle seems like a cool, cool guy, you know. So right, that would be like my um ultimate goal. Like you guys can just drive across the country and meet somewhere in Kansas or something, and then play like, you know, you guys, archaeologists, covet or something like. Yeah. Some of the bands that have the ability to kind of tour countrywide, that would be that would be awesome. It'll we we're gonna have to try to make that happen with the with a full length. I think that's. I don't know about a whole tour. I mean, who's, who's to say we can't? It's just about how this EP comes out, how well it's received. 
and uh, you know how how much more effort we put into afterwards. So mm-hmm. it can be a goal for sure if we bust our ass. Exactly. Yeah. 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 But uh, yeah. Now, do you guys have any other questions for me? I think I have. I have what I uh, wanted to know. Uh no. Um, I think uh, I really enjoyed the questions for the most part. What's that? Where do you see your podcast in like five years? <laughs> oh my god, that's a great question. Um, it's been very interesting because I've gotten in touch with some people who uh, like have some band management connections and some other stuff. And, uh, you know, there, there is an opportunity for me maybe to have other bands on, um, as interviewees. What in my head, like I want to go back to interviewing some guests that I know personally and share their stories, but that's not to say that in five years I couldn't be a little bit more deeply entrenched in the, the prog community. And I don't want it just to be prog because even though that's just my favorite genre, um, currently I listen to a lot of other stuff too. So I don't know, in five years, I guess I just want to be still doing this and more, more than anything monetary or celebrity wise. Cause I don't care about that. I just want to be able to find people who have an interesting musical background and would want to talk about it. Um, someone had said to me, like, Typically, when you get musicians in front of a microphone and you ask them about music, they're more than happy to tell you about music. Yeah. If you just ask them questions, that's just like, like, tell me about your dog. <laughs> that's cool. I mean, I do want to hear about your dog. But um, as a musician and a fan, mostly, like me being a fan, that's how I feel like I give back to the community. So the podcast is allowing me to be like an ultra fan kind of and sort of be a platform for people that I might be a fan of. So I have a list in my head of like people that I would love to have on the show someday. So maybe I guess in five years, if I can achieve that list, that would be, that would be badass. Yeah. That's a good question. Good good goal to have. And uh, hopefully this is one of the the ones that kind of starts that off. If you keep doing it, like you're you're a great interviewer, by the way. I have to put that out there. Oh, thank you. Like, Thank you. I, I was worried I was stumbling a little YouTube, bit, and we have kind of a disconnect here with our no, technology. But if you go on YouTube, there's ones I think we even talked about. There was like one that it was like a it was like an in India. There was like a, a Indian chick interviewing Plenty, and it was so cringy. Oh, like, and David, yeah, she didn't, she knew nothing about anything about them. They actually mixed up the name, yeah. or they thought they were together. Uh, yeah. No. No. I, my thing <laughs> is like I'm really bad at shutting up. Like I can talk to like, honestly, I, I have added probably 30 Facebook friends in the past year that are all people that I've like run into repeatedly at shows. And, you know, I can tell you what band they're in and what instrument they play. And like, I can't remember what my fiance asked me to make for dinner, but I can definitely tell you like, Oh yeah, this guy plays this guitar and he used to be in a band with this guy. And that was his girlfriend and blah, blah, blah. Like, my podcast really just follows where my passions are, and like so that. yeah, it's very laid back too. Like, I really appreciate like the casualness of it. It's, it makes us feel comfortable for sure. This is our first oh, interview, good. so you know we I'm want glad. exactly right. I, and uh, you know, it's just like any question that can make me think like decently hard is, I think, it's a good thing. Exactly. So. That's that's really what I wanted to get out of it was that you guys don't turn off the mic and you're like, oh my god, that's terrible. <laughs> no, we'll do that. We'll do that afterwards. Okay, please do. <laughs> no, um, okay. Well, thank you guys for being on Tapestry. I appreciate it so much. Uh, again, this was deeply woven. That I was talking with.
think I'm all good. Thank you guys for being on, and I uh, hope you have a good night, and I hope your drive back isn't super long. Cool. <laughs> thank you so much, Kelly. Yeah. All right, thank you, guys. Take care. You've been listening to With Area by Deeply Woven. Go check them out on Facebook, Instagram, and Bandcamp under Deeply Woven, or visit their website at deeplywovenband.com. Till next time.